All right, just talking about a series here we're doing on church and revival. I've been given a prophetic word over and over through this series about the revival that's coming to America. Want to deal with that? We must be ready for what's coming. Last week, if you haven't heard that, make sure and hear that sermon if you can. It has to do with personal preparation for what's coming. Dealing with different issues within us that need to be dealt with. It was just a word I feel is very timely. What God has been doing over the last decade, last couple decades, has been a lot of preparation and people that have had the wisdom to latch hold of a lot of things God's been doing over the last couple decades will really be used in this coming revival. And as I go through this sermon tonight, I believe that God will help you see some things maybe you haven't seen before. First thing I want to talk about is just the atmosphere. It's so important to create an atmosphere for the glory. You know, the power of taking the Lord's Supper, I I don't have time to teach on it tonight at all, but there's such a deep, profound, powerful thing in communion that a lot of churches don't understand. There's not a lot of teaching on it. But taking the Lord's Supper, there's something about the blood that has to do with the glory. The the blood brings the glory. And there's promises linked to the Lord's Supper that are very powerful. It's called the cup of blessing. In the Old Testament, when when the priest would eat of the sacrifice, it said they became so holy, even what they touched became holy. And that's a picture and type of us today taking the Lord's Supper. But it, it's, there's many people are healed, people are set free from things. It's powerful because of what it represents. There's nothing supernatural in any way or magical about some kind of a wafer or juice. It's not. But when you set it apart to be used in communion, the Lord gets in it. Amen? Amen. It's like there's nothing magical or supernatural about oil by itself. But when you use it as anointing oil, the, the Lord gets in it. And there's power release. So taking the Lord's Supper is an awesome, powerful thing. I remember during one revival, the pastor was saying that God spoke to him and said, if you'll take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis and fill this place with the bread of presence, he said, I will fill this house with my presence. And so he began to fill the church with the bread of presence. And of course, there was a massive move of God took place there. Secondly, setting the atmosphere. An atmosphere is something that is extremely important because there needs to be an open heaven. You get an open heaven through persistent prayer and fasting. But once the heavens are open, there's got to be an atmosphere of God's presence and His glory in a place. That people can come in and they can be in the Lord's manifest presence. Because in His presence is where... People are getting right with God. I think a lot of times the reason that a lot of people can go to church and then go home and live in sin is because there's not an atmosphere to convict. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin and deals with things. And there can be an atmosphere in a church where people, the Holy Spirit is dealing with them about things in their life that needs to be dealt with the way only the Holy Spirit can deal with it. There can be an atmosphere that creates healing for the hurting. 
can help bring deliverance to the captives, can bring breakthroughs, miracles. There's an atmosphere. And I've learned to, to fill the atmosphere with worship. You know, even whenever it, churches and ministries and places, even, even your house, but churches and ministries and places where there's going to be services held, you know, having something there that's worship and prayer going on, it creates an atmosphere. It's so powerful to have people gather before service and put on worship of some kind and also have prayer going and the atmosphere that's created through worship. The atmosphere that's created through prayer. It affects so much. I've heard people say over and over over the years that they come into a service or a meeting or something and they say the atmosphere. They could just tell right off when they came in there was an electricity. It's the way a lot of people describe God's power, but electricity could fill an atmosphere. But God is wanting us to, to learn about the Lord's Supper and about atmosphere because He's wanting to take us deeper. I thank God for the different moves of God that are going on. But this is just the beginning of the awakening. It's just the beginning. And I want us to be ready for what's to come. How many knows whenever revival fully is ablaze... I want to be at ground zero, and I want God to be able to use me in it. Amen? I know you do too. And I want to be able to, to move with the Holy Spirit, whatever He's doing. And I don't think that, in my mindset, I don't think at all in this little box of just what He's doing in River of Life. See, over the years, I've learned the power of impartation. And I've taught you guys that, and you guys know as well as I do now. But, you know, when God's moving in a different place, you need to go receive from God. And there's been many, many times, countless times, where you know I've either gone somewhere or somebody's come to me and there was an impartation. There was a laying on of hands, a transference of the anointing. And it would, it would show up in, in my ministry from that time on and in the ministry overall through as I prayed for other people too. It's very transferable. But you honor God by honoring what He's doing in the earth and by going places and receiving from Him. Let me give you a few things. There was a vision that Rick Joyner had. I'll come back to this here in a moment. But in the vision, it was preparation. I believe he had this vision back in the 80s. And he wrote about it in a book. I can't remember the name of the book. He's written so many. It was either Vision or Harvest or something. But anyway, I've got the book somewhere and I've read it. And it's, it's an amazing book. But he was talking about one of the aspects of the revival that's coming. He saw in a vision that there was a man that was on a beach and he had built himself up in a muscular way that was way more than necessary. I mean, it was, it was something that was more showy. And he said it was actually kind of grotesque because it, it was somebody that was... They had done it just for looks and for show. Okay, And whenever there was a wave that was coming... And he had his surfboard, but the surfboard was really little. So even though he had beefed himself up and it was all for show, the surfboard he had was nowhere near being big enough to be able to ride this wave. And whenever the wave came, it, it was already too close for him to ride anyway, but he decided to jump in and try to ride it. 
and he swam out there and he tried to connect with the wave and it was already broke and it was on him and the wave hit him and it broke the surfboard into pieces and it beat him up really good and then the next part of the vision was he was in a hospital and in the hospital he was looking out the window and he was watching the ocean and Rick said that he knew that the man had learned his lesson and that there was a resolve in him this time that this was not going to happen a second time I'm going to be ready the next time so then the vision goes on now there's a man I'm assuming it's the same man there was he was out on the beach this time he had conditioned himself but it wasn't in a way for show so it wasn't like this bulging muscles instead the muscles were lean and fit and he was actually in good shape for what was you know to ride the wave this time his surfboard was was really big and it would be adequate and he went out into the ocean and he was really looking intently for the wave the wave started coming and this time he was ready for the wave as the, as the wave started coming in he began to paddle toward the wave trying to estimate where it was going to break and he began to turn at the right time and then began to swim with the wave like surfers do and as he was swimming with the wave right as it broke he was able to get up on his board and he rode the wave this time now what that represents see a lot of ministries don't understand that they've beefed themselves up and it's real showy they look good to man it's real showy and real flashy but they're not ready for what's coming you hear me one of the books I think every Christian should read is The Final Quest by Rick Joyner but what it deals with it deals with a lot of these issues is see people live for the here and now and they live for what things look like now to man and anyway you have to you have to ask the Lord how does this look to you and not trying to be showy and flashy to everybody one of the reasons I've never really gotten into the show American Idol and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it for people that like this show I've just never gotten into it there's multiple reasons one is not that I claim to be a great singer but my goodness some of these people but not only that but there's one of the reasons why I haven't gotten into it is because I know that in America it really is an idolatry thing and people really do worship and what they're doing is they're trying to they're trying to fashion somebody that'll be sexually seductive enough and fashion them in a way that people will glorify and worship them really and it really is that way and that's the American Idol it's a very accurate title and so that that's why I've never really gotten into it very much but that's what people tend to do in America real flashy real showy but that doesn't mean that you're getting ready for what God's doing at all it actually can work against you and not only that but but many times a surfboard or a car or something like that represents a ministry any type of a vehicle that you would ride or drive in a boat an airplane anything in dreams usually means a vehicle I'm sorry a ministry and this surfboard was too small the ministry was not ready
How many knows that a ministry cannot be ready sometimes for a move of God? And you know what? The same move of God that will be such a blessing to one person can actually work against somebody else. Did you know that? Revivals can really be a blessing to some people, but to others it will actually destroy what they have because what they have is made of man. And it will work against what they have. And just like this surfboard was destroyed. See, if somebody's built their ministry and they've resisted the Holy Spirit, they've built their own kingdom, but they've resisted the Holy Spirit in different ways. They've resisted the gifts. They've resisted the anointing. They've resisted manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And they haven't won. And whenever a move of God really breaks out, people are hungry and people are going to go to where God's moving and leave these type of, of ministries that have resisted the Spirit of God. And it actually can work against them and destroy the very thing that they've built up. Does this make sense to anybody? You've got to be careful not to be one of these that is resisting the Holy Spirit and what He's trying to do. And once the person had gotten a good beating, then they decided this time I'm going to do it right and they conditioned themselves for the move of God and they had that their ministry, their circle was adequate and they began to look and they began to move toward the wave. Now how do you practically move toward the wave? By discerning what God's doing right now. A lot of people, I'm telling you, I, I talk to people even to this day that I'll mention something like Toronto or Brownsville, those type of moves of God that happened back in the 90s, and they act like, what? And I'm sitting here thinking, man, where have you been? It's one thing to be young and, and you were a kid back then, but, but people that have been here, well, where, where have you been? These are the moves of God God's doing here. In our nation, affecting our nation. And now, you see things like God's really moving at Bethel. He's moving at IHOP. He's moving really powerfully at the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival. And there's other moves of God. But that's, that's swimming toward the wave because you're discerning what God's doing. And you're, and you're receiving from the moves of God. And you're getting prepared because I'm going to tell you that these are spearhead movements. What's going on at the Bay of Revival especially is a spearhead movement that is helping to break open this great awakening. And also Rodney Howard Brown's ministry. You know, he's traveling around in an awesome way, winning souls and praying for people. These ministries are spearheading the great awakening that's happening. This is good preaching. Thank you. And we need to be ready for what God's doing by positioning ourselves to receive. And the impartation that's coming from these ministries is actually what is going to prepare you. And I think too many times people look at impartation and it's something like, well, that feels good and it's fun. No, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, you know, you're under the power, it feels good, it is fun, wonderful. But there's a lot more to it than that. There's something of God that's being deposited in you that's going to change you and it's going to empower you. And God is moving mightily right now and He's breaking open. He's going to different regions and He's breaking things open and it's preparing for this great awakening. And like I said, you know, it's going to go from the Bay of the Holy Spirit and if I remember the prophecy correctly, it goes Louisiana, then up... To the Pacific, I'm sorry, up to the New England area, then down to Southern California, then up to Pacific Northwest. It's going to spread throughout the entire nation. But, but listen, Dallas will be the hub, but there's a mighty move of God that's, that's in the works right now. So you swim toward the wave, 
by going after what God's doing and receiving what he has for you, but then you begin to paddle with the wave. And I, I put that up the other day, what Dutch Sheets prophesied. I hope you guys were able to read it. I put it up on Facebook. But he was prophesying and he said that there's glory clouds that are over different states in the nation right now. And he said that not every state has it yet, but it's over different places. And he said that you need, need to lay hold of it by force. You need to lay hold of what God's doing and draw upon that move of God. And he referenced people that are going, I'm telling you, the Bay Revival is one of the key ones about this. It's going from place to place across the nation. And they're being used to break something open and release that into those areas. And I'm telling you, there's a glory cloud that's resting over areas of the nation right now as they go. And they're laying hands on all these, these pastors and different people in those cities and regions. And that impartation's coming into them. And God's doing a great preparation. So we need to discern what God's do, doing and move with the move of God. So let God prepare you in every way. See, the anointing that's in you will teach you, the Bible says. If you protect the anointing that's in you and you'll guard it, that anointing will in turn protect you, but it will also develop you. I've said this before, but there was a man of God one time that prophesied over me when I was about 19. And he told me, he said, the anointing that's in you is mature, but you're not mature yet, but the anointing in you will mature you. The anointing that's in you will teach you and develop you. You know, David had a mighty anointing on his life. The Bible says when he was anointed by Samuel that the Spirit of God came upon him in power from that day forward. He had a mighty anointing on his life. He slayed Goliath. But after Goliath, and after the great victories, and he had the anointing on his life, God then had to put him through the caves. And the caves were the times where God really developed humility and character in him. If people want to do great things for God, and I do too, but let me tell you that God will put you through the fire. He'll put you through the wilderness times. And you know, we talk about being crucified with Christ, but what you've got to understand, when Jesus had the dark time of his ministry when it came. All of his friends disappeared. Now, what you really think about this? You want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Get a nod. Okay. Make sure you're with me. Okay, you want to be like Jesus? I do too. But I want you to think about the time when he went to the cross. And the Bible says that we are going to be crucified with Christ. God is going to do that work in us. That's a process. The Holy Spirit will... He that began a good work in you, He will continue until He's done. No matter how long it takes. And so God, here you are. You're on your, your path now to be crucified with Christ. The Holy Spirit that's in you is taking you there. Because see, for God to really fill you up and empower you, He's got to empty you out first. And that means everything that's in you that doesn't need to be there, He's going to pull it all out so He can then fill you with the Spirit. This is being crucified with Christ. But Jesus, when He was right there at that crucifixion time, it's like the devil showed up. There was spiritual warfare like nobody's business, I'm sure. That it was very oppressive, very heavy. The disciples couldn't even stay awake for a short time to pray. There was such a heaviness on them. And all of a sudden, Jesus, all of His friends were gone. And he had to go through this alone. Not only that, but 
Jesus had a Judas. Nobody likes to be betrayed, but to really have a Judas is something that God will do to help prepare you. I'm just telling you. A Judas is somebody that you're close to, but will betray. Jesus was close to Judas. He was a friend that stabbed him in the back and betrayed him. Now when the Judas comes, and everybody says, I want to be like Jesus. Okay. When the Judas comes, it will force you to either become more like Jesus or you can respond wrongly and end up becoming very bitter and get knocked off course. But I promise you that betrayal is part of God's preparation. And another thing that Jesus went through was one of his lead disciples, because Peter was, he was somebody that was really one of the top guys that God was using, because whenever Jesus would pull away, he would take Peter, James, and John with him. So Peter was one of the ones he really invested in. Here Peter is somebody that Jesus poured his ministry into that denies the faith. So not only was Jesus betrayed, but he also had one of his main disciples, a spiritual son type figure, somebody he really poured his life into that denies the faith. Now Paul went through some of this. He went through hurt. He went through hardships. He had people that forsook him. But how would you like to be in a position where you're pouring your life into somebody and then they deny the faith altogether and they're off now serving the devil? Another person you were close to poured your life into, loved them, and now they knife you in the back and they can't stand you and they're trying to turn others against you. And all of a sudden there's people around you and all of a sudden now they're gone. That's what Jesus went through. This is part of the crucifixion. This is what David went through, so to speak, in his cave dwelling times. This is what, I'm speaking symbolically, what the children of Israel went through in the wilderness time. This is the years of preparation. These are the times when God really develops humility and character. Because what's dangerous is giving somebody a mighty anointing that doesn't have character. It really is like giving a machine gun to a monkey. And the problem is, is that people don't have character, but there's this mighty anointing, and then the enemy attacks, and because they don't have character and humility developed in them, they go down, and everything is crashing and burning. So God is spiritually conditioning you, though you know it or not, He is conditioning you. He's conditioning you in His Word. I believe a lot of that is coming by the preaching of the word here that God is really conditioning you in that I feel that he's also conditioning you in prayer to have a powerful prayer life and know how to pray he's conditioning you through impartation that the, what's in you through the laying on of hands is being stirred up and it's developing things in you see one of the reasons that God is well let me word it this way I've heard people say to me Pastor Scott I've grown so fast here I've heard that a lot I've heard a lot of people say, say, Pastor Scott, I came here, all of a sudden I started growing really fast spiritually. You know why that is? It's not because of me. It's because the anointing that's in you is developing. That's why. 
A lot of ministries have, have neglected laying on of hands and impartation. They pulled back from it. And there's not these, these altar times going on. And because of that, it, a lot of people are held back and hindered. You see, there's stuff that the anointing will do that nobody can do. No amount of teaching can do. And there's things that there are some things that really truthfully cannot even be taught. And I'll give you an example. It's hard to teach people how to be led by the Spirit. You can try. But they kind of have to learn it as they go. As the Holy Spirit helps them to... Another thing is like deep intercession. I hear some of our intercessors as they're really travailing and groaning. You can't teach that. But it comes through impartation. And I remember when some of them received that impartation. And from that night, got up off the floor, it just took off. Also, God is spiritually conditioning you through a revival atmosphere. That revival is being marinated down into you. It's becoming a part of your DNA. See, sometimes it takes years to really adequately get marinated enough. You know. I remember I went to see my uncle and they had these homemade pickles. They're pretty good. I don't like pickles normally, but these were good. And he was, he was showing me how to do it, you know. But you, you have to put the cucumber in there and let it sit for so long before it's going to soak in adequately. And let me tell you, that's a good, good example. You, it's not something... See, sometimes people will come into something like this and, and they'll get a little dip and then they're gone. See, if you take the cucumber and you just dip it and then set it out somewhere, it's, it's not going to taste right. It's still just a cucumber. But you have to really marinate in this type of atmosphere to where it really soaks down. You remember Elisha when he died? It, the anointing had soaked all the way down to his bones. And whenever the dead man was thrown into his tomb and touched his bones, he raised from the dead. See, I don't know about you, but I want a bone-soaking anointing. Okay, all the way down. <laughs> Adequately marinated. But see, once you're marinated in this revival atmosphere and it gets in your DNA and it's really, it's soaked up in you, it's who you are, you become familiar with it. Another thing God is trying to do, He's trying to help some people develop in their giftings and I'm talking about spiritual giftings but also things like whether it be worship leading or um, you know evangelism and witnessing just different areas that God has anointed you and gifted you to to maybe play an instrument or whatever he's trying to develop that but he doesn't want to just develop it in you he wants to develop it in, in you in a revival atmosphere because you're going to have to be able to gird up under that glory you're going to have to be able to stand and not find yourself on the floor because you can't handle it. You're going to, have to be able to stand and minister under a mighty anointing. And that comes with time as God marinates and develops you. Because I love being hit by the power like everybody else and you've got to put you down on this operating table. But there's a time when you've got to be able to gird up under it to minister. I remember people would come into the glory... I could always tell when people were really new because I mean it was just it was really hard for them to function. You know, 
You see people that are new to revival and they get up and try to tell a testimony and they're, they're stumbling over their words. And I, 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 I remember, you know, and they can barely talk. And, or somebody's out and you're sitting there going, what's happening to you? There they go. It's okay, pick them back up. But what happened? There they go. Because they're, they're just, they're trying to get used to, and their bodies, they're trying to get acclimated to this level. And it takes God developing that in you. Amen? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And God also is spiritually conditioning you in trials. There's certain things that will only come through trials. It's not going to come through the anointing. You're not going to come into church. Hands laid on you. You fall out. You get up. And it's like, it's happened. I am good. No. Some things, some things are going to happen through trials. And there's no other way. So God is, is trying to condition you through trials. But that's why the book of James says to count it joy because you need to understand that the trials are actually benefiting you. You know, when people go into the military and let's say that we, let's just say we were in a time of war and somebody went in, like back in the days of Vietnam and people were drafted, they went into boot camp. Boot camp was very difficult. I mean, it was something where you had to really give it your all and it was very taxing on the body but it prepared them for the battle and if they had just taken somebody and said you know what we're just going to let you skip boot camp and just threw them out there they would have been dead meat they would have not been able to survive they needed the boot camp and some of you are going through things that are difficult but God is strengthening you through it so that you can handle things God's developing humility and character. Humility is your best friend. Because pride will lead to destruction and downfalls. It will destroy. It's a horrible thing. Humility is your best friend. So be properly positioned in life to catch the wave when it comes. Be watching to start moving when it does come. Last year... Sandy and I started, you know, a church plant and everything. But last year, Pastor Kilpatrick prophesied. He said there was going to be a tenfold increase of anointing. Well, of course, there was some spiritual warfare. Attack always comes before blessing. That may not be in the Bible, but you need to write that down, okay? Because that is true. Spiritual attack always comes before blessing. So right as that prophetic word came, all of a sudden all hell broke loose. And the devil was trying to stop what God was doing. It didn't work. But anyway, all of a sudden, the anointing began to increase. And here's what we did. We positioned our surfboard, if you will. And we caught the wave. We didn't crash and burn. It didn't beat us up. We caught the wave and we rode it. And it has brought everything up to a whole new level of anointing. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to position yourself to spiritually discern. And last year it was like, you know, you could just, you know how it is? You kind of lick your finger like, there's a new wind blowing. And you position yourself to where you, you catch the wind and ride the wave. And whenever it's time to ride the wave, don't hesitate and don't get in fear. But run with God. Run with the fire. Don't hesitate. Let me give you some quick warnings. 
Pray for whatever pastor God puts you under. Here, obviously me. But those that are hearing this, those that are going to be watching this, there's people around the world that will hear this. You really need to pray for your pastor. Because the devil, there's a, there's a scriptural pattern where you strike the shepherd and the sheep, the, the sheep will scatter. And so the enemy is looking to hit the head to try to, to throw the whole thing off. But a shepherd's vision, it's a grace that comes from God. It's not something that you can just come up with one day. It's a supernatural grace from God. But a shepherd's vision, if he's a man of prayer, he will see wolves coming. It's just a grace. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's there. And a shepherd, if you look at sheep, a shepherd stands up on two legs and can actually see from a different perspective. You know, the sheep are on all fours, so their vision is limited to a certain place. But God allows the shepherd to be able to see things coming. A shepherd's rod of authority is to protect. And you know, sheep in the natural will regurgitate their food when a shepherd is absent. Did you know that? There's something about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd that's supernatural. Something from God. It's People feel comforted when their pastor's around. You just feel more protected. I've, I've experienced that myself. But you just feel like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a father figure. When I was growing up, I always knew, you know, with my dad there that we'd be all right. One way or another, you know. It's just there's something about that. But the shepherd's rod of authority is to protect. And unfortunately, a lot of times the wolves in sheep's clothing are people. That's what's so sad about the whole thing. A lot of times the wolves in sheep's clothing are people. Are you hearing me? It's sad. You don't want it to be that way. But a shepherd's responsibility is not that complicated. If you look at the natural, what's the shepherd's responsibility? He's supposed to take the sheep to a green pasture where they can eat. Find them some kind of a river or a creek so they can drink water. And then protect them from wolves that are coming. That's basically it. And so the shepherd's responsibility is to bring you to a place of spiritual food and drink coming to you. The food is the Word of God. The drink is the move of the Holy Spirit. But there's also protection from the wolves. It's the shepherd's job to pick out if there's a wolf and to adequately deal with that. Now Satan's M.O., if you will. In Revelation 12, 1, it says that the dragon stood in front of the woman about to give birth the child to destroy the child when it came. I know that's talking about Israel and all the prophetic, but I want you just to see that right there. Satan stood in front of the woman to kill the child as soon as it was born. The way Satan, he attacks, he tries to attack things at an infancy stage. He tries to attack things when it's a baby. He tries to find somebody that's got an awesome call in their life and kill them when they're young. One way or another, whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, he wants to hit them when they're young. Because he knows if they develop and grow in the Lord and become a mighty man or woman of God, he's not going to be able to do anything then. He tries to kill a move of God at its infancy stage. Man, I feel an anointing tonight as I preach. I really do. 
Satan's methods, I'm going to read through this pretty quick, but this is something for you to keep and really refer back to. Let this be something that gets down in you. I encourage you maybe over this next week to go back over these and read the stories in the Bible and really meditate on this. But here's some warnings about revival because Satan's method, his methods to get you out of your destiny, he's trying to knock you off course. He sees that you're on this course and this course in your life is going down a path of destiny. And you're on a path of life, you're on a path of a move of God. And Satan sees that. And when I say Satan, let's just break it down. He can only be at one place at one time. I'm talking about things that are set up against you and things that are set up against me. They're watching and they're trying to pick us off like a sniper. Are you hearing me? And Satan wants to abort people's destiny. He wants to knock you off course. And let me give you some warnings. Number one, don't allow yourself to become bitter, prideful, or rebellious because God cannot use. He wants to, but He cannot use a bitter person. He cannot use a prideful person. And He cannot use a rebellious person. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. That's just the truth. He can't use those people. He wants to, but until they repent and get all that out of them, they're unusable. And Satan knows that that will disqualify them. And so he tries to bring a lot of pain in their life to get them bitter. He tries to puff them up with pride so they get a big head about themselves. As we say in Texas, they're too big for the britches now. And God can't use them. And all of a sudden, you know, he wants to get them where they're rebellious. And they won't listen. They won't come under authority. I tell you, you've got to be careful about that. God is really big into authority and coming under authority. Alright, another attack of the enemy. Jesus taught us that a kingdom divided cannot stand. Satan seeks more than anything to divide. Remember that. His main attack is always to divide God's people. He wants to divide marriages. He wants to divide parents and their children. He wants to come into churches and start tearing it up and bringing division. Pitting people against each other. Pitting people in the congregation against their pastor. And just sowing division. I tell you, there's, there's few things that allow the devil in as strong and powerful as division. When you start having a lot of strife where people are fighting, they're gossiping about each other, there's backbiting, and they're angry with one another in a church, and, and that's going on, the pastor's not dealing with it, and that's going on, I'm telling you, It's like I see with my mind's eye, like a a sliding glass door opens. It's like a patio door opens and in comes demonic spirits. And next thing you know, that church is going down. There's a heaviness. You try to come in and worship and you can't hardly worship because it just feels oppressed. Very few things allow the enemy in like division. That is a big door for the enemy. Another thing to be careful of is religious spirits. We talked about that last week. One of the things religious spirits hate is free worship and hates the move of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to read through these really quickly. Just follow me. So in the midst of, you remember, Joshua did not fully take the, the promised land, remember? He did a good job, but he was not able to fully drive out all of the inhabitants of Canaan. And they were unable to do it until David took office. So all those years... The judges raised up 
You know, even Samuel the prophet was an amazing man of God. But it, it took David, the reason why David was able to do it, he had a triple anointing on his life. And he was a warrior. And when God raised up King David, he began to fulfill what Joshua started. And he went in and conquered the Jebusites. And that's where you get Jerusalem. And he drove out the inhabitants. And he began to um, subdue the nations around him. And so in many ways, you could look at David's coming to um, kingship. You could look at that as a mighty revival of sorts. But how did Satan attack David? He attacked him through lust. And you cannot relax, but you've got to stay on your guard. Are you hearing me? You've got to stay on your guard. Because while everybody was going to war, David began to pull back and take it easy and relax. And next thing you know, he's in adultery. How many people have allowed themselves to get too relaxed and Satan began to play on their flesh and they begin to deal with lust in whatever form and next thing you know, there's something going on. Listen, during the, a mighty move of God, one of the ways Satan will attack is through lust. And you better guard your passions. You better die to the flesh and be aware of it. If something's coming against you and you feel there's something trying to really come against you, you need to come down and get people to pray for you. Humble yourself. Say, man, I'm under attack. Pray for me. But don't give in and open the door for that lust to come. I'm telling you, that's a major attack during times of revival. Satan's wanting to pick people off. And that's why we cover people when they fall. You know, we try to throw over them some kind of a blanket just to keep the lust out. You know, sometimes people fall and, and we don't want anything that would cause lust. Amen? Be wise how you pray for people. How you lay hands on people. Be wise. Okay, I've heard some funny stories and some not so funny stories, but you've got to be careful because... You know, sometimes people take things the wrong way. And just make sure that you're careful with how you're laying hands on people and praying for people. Especially of the opposite sex. Be wise to not be alone with the opposite sex. Amen? It's wisdom to not be alone. Always have somebody with you or be in a public place. Because the Bible says to avoid even the appearance of evil. And not to mention somebody could say something about you that's not true. But it's your word against theirs if nobody's there. The second way Satan will attack. You know, Moses brought the children of Israel out. They were in bondage for 400 years. I mean, this was a mighty revival with signs and wonders breaking out. And God delivered His people. They were brought through the Red Sea. Moses is taken off by God to a place where he's in prayer. And right there, in the midst of revival, they begin to build a golden calf. And you know as well as I do that back then they didn't have any fancy equipment to do this. And you know as well as I do that was the ugliest calf that was ever made. And the fact that they would be worshipping the thing in probably the way they were taught to do so in Egypt, which would have involved some nudity and all kinds of you know, perversions. And God became, he began to be angry with Israel. Moses had to go down and deal with it. But let me tell you, right in the midst of revival, Satan will attack with this deception. I wrote down idolatry, but I want to focus on deception. How could people see the plagues that those people saw and all that happened? See God level the economy of the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Totally leveled their economy. They watched God do it. And to see 
Moses come out there and lift his rod up and watch a whole sea open up for them. And then watch Pharaoh's army drown in it. And then it wasn't that much later that they're worshiping a cow. That's deception. And if you don't think deception is strong, friend, listen to me, you better be careful. Adam and Eve, they were perfect, they had no sin, and they were deceived. How much more susceptible are people with a fallen nature? Listen, deception can be something that is supernaturally powerful. It can be thick, and it can draw people out. And you've got to be established in the Word, and you've got to remain humble. You better stay close to the Lord. Do not allow yourself to get sucked into deception. It comes in different ways. One of the ways deception can come, and I've already prophesied about this, and, and some of y'all still need to hear this, is with the religious crowd that is opposed to the move of God, and they will use the Bible against the move of God. They will quote Scripture against the move of the Holy Spirit. And they're using the Bible. Everybody get that? They're using Scripture. But they're wrong. It's deception. And some people are primed for it, and when it comes, they get sucked right into it. How are you protected during deception when it comes to you? I believe humility has a lot to do with it. Really humbling yourself down to the ground and being dependent on the Lord. One of the things about a prideful person is, they're very self-sufficient. A prideful person's attitude will be like this. I know the Bible. I'll be fine. I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And next thing you know, oh, they know the Bible and they're quoting it, but they're they're now an enemy of the revival. You know that's going on. See, humility. God gives a humble person revelation. He gives them the grace to be able to discern between what's real and what's not, what's what's deception and what's truth. But be humble. Stay, to the, stay close to the Lord in prayer. And listen to people that try to warn you. A humble person will listen to other people that come to them and say, Hey, listen, we're just trying to help you here. But this, you're starting to get off a little bit. And I'm concerned for you. A humble person will say, You know, thank you for telling me that. I'll go pray about it. But a prideful person will get angry. Who are you to tell me? That's pride right there. The second thing to watch out for right in the midst of revival is rebellion. While the children of Israel were marching toward the promised land, God had promised them to take Canaan. And right in the midst of all that, you get Korah's rebellion. Korah was a Levite, and he basically said about Moses, who was also a Levite, Who are you to rule over us? Who do you think you are that you're setting yourself up as some kind of prince, some kind of God up here? You know, who do you think you are? We can hear from God. We don't need you to hear from God or hear from God for us. We can hear from God too. And he began to lead this rebellion against Moses. One of the things to watch out for during revival is rebellion. And people a lot of times don't even realize the rebellion. But I'm going to tell you, just like I give an example, you know, we, we went to a different move of God recently and got prayer. But they told everybody, you know, don't let people pray for you unless they got prayer badges, which we do that too. And they're trying to protect everybody. Because you don't know who's coming to meetings. There's some people you don't want praying for you. And they're trying to protect people. Don't let anybody pray for you unless they've got a prayer badge. But sure enough, you always find somebody that's got a rebellious spirit about them. And they're like, I don't got a badge on, but I'll pray for whoever I want to pray for. How many knows God does not flow through rebellion? 
It is as witchcraft. And I don't want somebody that's a rebel that can't come under authority laying hands on me because I don't feel like anything that's going to be coming through them is of God, just to be honest with you. Because God does not move through rebellion. Amen? So coming under authority. I've seen some people, and this is the truth, I've seen this, I've seen some people that did not have the level of gifting and anointing, you know, that's really huge, spectacular or whatever. But I watched them as they were a real humble person and they would come under some minister's covering their authority and really be mentored by them and they were somebody that was really loyal like they man if anybody ever said anything about their pastor they they boy they wanted to defend they just were real loyal they they were real humble and over time i watched as god it was like they found some kind of favor with god and all of a sudden this anointing just began to just increase on them radically and i've watched other people that had a great anointing great potential great giftings they they were sharp i mean they, they were very accurate prophetically. Okay, I'm thinking of people in my mind right now. They were strong anointing on their life. But they had these character flaws. They didn't like to submit to authority. They always wanted to challenge authority. They wanted to argue. And they, they were prideful. They didn't want to listen. They were disloyal. They would talk against their authority, things like that. And they're not doing good now. They had all the potential in the world. But they were disqualified from the greater things. See, what I'm learning about the Lord as I go into saying is that God sees things a lot different than man sees things. The things that are of great value to the Lord are things like loyalty and humility. See, somebody doesn't know that they're rebellious until they're told no. And then all of a sudden, they wanted to do something and the authority says no. And, you know, they just they can't stand it. And all of a sudden, the rebellion arises within them. Or, they did not want to do something. And somebody over them said, you need to do this. And they, they got an attitude and they didn't want to do it. But see, that's when you can truly tell if somebody submitted under authority is they can handle being told yes or no with a good attitude. Other moves of God have been short-lived and hindered by just letting everyone pray for everyone. And that's another thing. I've already touched on this a lot, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of go through it real quick. But you would think that, you know, people with just good common sense would know that not everybody needs to be praying over everybody. I mean, that's just common sense. I mean, you know, you would think that the scriptures in the Bible that says not to be hasty about laying hands... You would think things like in James where it says, let the elders be the ones that anoint you with oil. And you would think that common sense would tell you that just anybody coming off the street, you don't know what they are. You don't even know if they're a Christian. And they come in, everybody's laying hands on everybody. And they may be a Hindu. They may be a witch. They may be a practicing homosexual. They may be a child molester. But everybody's praying for everybody. So they're like, okay, well. And they're going around laying hands on people. Common sense would say, but I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people, it's like a rebellious spirit about them. They get really ticked off whenever people are like, get up there and say, listen, nobody lay hands unless they got badgers. People get angry about that. But I, I, I appreciate that. Other people may get ticked off, but whenever I go places and I hear the, the leadership say, look, 
we've, we've approved people with the badges. We know their life. We know they live holy. They're going to be praying for you. Don't let anybody else pray for you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that the leadership cares enough about me to not just let it be a free-for-all. That they want it to be a safe place. Amen? Of course, witchcraft control. You, you can't preach a sermon on revival, at least not mention something like the Jezebel spirit. Man, that thing slithers in. It wants to attack. Satan tries to send his servants in to infiltrate. But you've got to discern this. this. If you don't know much about this spirit, you need to read a book on it. But when you come under an attack of a Jezebel spirit, it brings depression. And it tries to cause you to feel very intimidated. It wants to manipulate you. Another thing to watch out in the midst of revival is for evil men. Not everybody is godly and not everybody has good intentions. Remember Sanballat and Tobiah. Even the name Sanballat. <laughs> but in Nehemiah, remember Sanballat and Tobiah were the ones that everything that Nehemiah was trying to do in service for the Lord, they were continually harassing them and being negative and complaining. And some people the whole time that, that a, a minister, a man of God, is trying to go after God and do what God's called them to do, they constantly have these negative people out there just, just negative. But interestingly enough, as the story goes, once the wall was built, Ezra had took care of the, the temple, Nehemiah took care of the wall, and somehow a priest... And his lack of wisdom gave Tobiah a room in, in the temple area, like, like an apartment. <laughs> and Nehemiah gets back and finds out about it. I'm sure he threw a fit. I'm sure that vein, you know, popped out. He goes in there and he's throwing out his iPod. You know, he's throwing out his CD player. He's chunking him out of there. But you've got to be careful about evil men slipping in the camp. Because some people have very evil motives. And given the opportunity, here, here is God's moving, and it's like the devil comes up and he... Listen, the enemy knows. You know, when Satan was circling Jesus' camp, you know, he had his twelve, and, and Jesus had this powerful ministry, and when Satan came, he didn't have anything in Jesus. But, but Satan came and he was circling that camp right there. He was circling that ministry, and he found... Judas. And you know what? None of the other disciples knew who was going to betray. All of a sudden Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And all of them are like, are you serious? And John says, who? And Jesus tells them Judas. But none of them expected that. Because Judas was one of their group. But when Satan was circling the camp and looking for a way in, he found Judas. And the Bible says Satan entered Judas. And that's how then this betrayal, this knife in the back came. And it was through this betrayal that Jesus' friends departed. Peter denied the faith. And Jesus went alone to the cross. Some people, they look good. They come in and worship. They look good. But there's something in them that's not right. And Satan circles the camp and he'll find that person he knows. And he'll tap them on the shoulder. Next thing you know, they're, they're serving the enemy's purposes. Another thing to watch out right in the midst of a move of God is betrayal. There was a man by the name of Gedalia, however you say that. 
in Jeremiah 40. And people tried to warn him. They said, there's an assassination coming against you. And Gedaliah blew him off and said, oh, it'll be alright. And next thing you read is he's dead. You need to take these things seriously when people try to warn you. You know, so-and-so is up to no good. They're, you know, they're trying to cause problems over here, trying to do this or that. You need to take it serious and not just blow things off. And the thing about betrayal is, it's sneaky and you don't really feel it coming sometimes the way you feel other things coming. Does that make sense? You don't, because sometimes, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's like your spirit man, all of a sudden it's like that red light that goes off. Beep, beep, you just know something's not right. Something, something's going on. But see, these evil men in this betrayal business can slip in and you don't really feel it coming the way you do other things sometimes. Listen to the warning of others. A danger is here when they try to warn you to be careful. And don't be passive in dealing with things that you need to. Alright, a few more quick things. Remember Gideon's ephod and watch out for man worship. One of the things about revival, God starts using people in a powerful way, is people have a tendency to start making idols. It's amazing how much history repeats itself. Humanity is always trying to make some kind of an idol. One way or another. And in the church, people will make worship music their idol. They'll make a worship leader their idol. They'll, they'll make a preacher their idol. They'll make somebody God's using their idol. Some prophet. You know, and they're, they're a powerful prophet. You know, a powerful man of God. But they'll make, make them like an idol. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. You know, in the story of Gideon's ephod, Gideon was used so powerfully by God, but at the end of his life, he allowed his ephod or whatever to be put up on display and people were worshiping it and it became a snare to him and it really became something. The very thing Gideon was to do was to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the enemy and get them back on track spiritually. Okay? That was what he was doing. But at the end of his life, he allowed idolatry to come in which was the very thing that got him in trouble with God in the first place. So be careful to not allow. Do you remember whenever... Peter came to Cornelius' house and the Holy Spirit fell. All these people started speaking in tongues. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a man came up to Peter, though, and fell down like he was going to worship him. And Peter, what did he do? He grabbed him and said, whoa, stand up. I'm a man just as you are. And wouldn't let him do that. Amen? Amen. And I always, I've learned this too. People that are really flattering. And some of you young ministers, you, you need to remember this one. People that are really, really flattering, like over the top, where you feel uncomfortable, flattering, those type of people almost always end up being a devil. Just telling you. They almost always end up being a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that flattery is the way that the enemy is trying to trick you into oversee, into, to not see that, like to be blinded to it. God has given ministry gifts to the church with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's put it in the church. But it's only by His grace that that's there. You know, don't glorify a ministry gift. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible says to honor and obey those over you in Hebrews 13, 17, but not to worship or idolize anybody. 
Watch out also. Remember Gehazi. Elisha was an awesome man of God. Double portion of Elijah. Great signs and wonders. Great miracles. Right in the midst of a great move of God through Elisha's life. Okay? Gehazi. There was a man by the name of Naaman that came to him. Had leprosy. Elisha told him to dip in the Jordan. He was healed of the leprosy. The man tried to come pay Elisha money. Elisha said, I don't want your money. It was a gift of God. Just go home in peace. And Gehazi went running after the man for his money. You have to be careful that the love of money and greed does not creep in. Are you hearing me? Be careful that the love of money and greed does not creep in. A lot of people don't even realize they have a greed issue until all of a sudden they start getting a lot of money and then it comes up. Make sure that anything like that is crucified in you, that it's gone. Because one of the things that Satan will do during the midst of revival is try to get people to be covetous. And the Bible says that Gehazi, that the leprosy that was on Naaman cleaved to him. He was a guy that saw all those signs and wonders and was Elisha's you know, protege. What would have happened if Gehazi would have been faithful and would have inherited Elisha's mantle? But he got disqualified because of greed. And the mantle went to the grave with Elisha and soaked down into his bones. And you don't see it resurface until John the Baptist. Watch out for church scandals. These usually revolve around either sex or money. Beware of satanic setups. There's checks and balances in place to protect everybody. There's checks and balances we have about handling finances and different things here. I mean, it's to protect everybody. Another thing, and I'm going to close with these, be careful about dishonoring and disrespecting God's servants. Remember in Nazareth, Jesus, can you imagine the Son of God went to a city. The Son of God went to a city. What the potential to happen in that city could have been. The whole city could have been healed. The whole city could have been delivered. The whole city could have seen a massive revival. Everything could have changed. But those people, they had a wrong heart toward Jesus. And therefore Jesus, the Bible says that God did not do great miracles through Jesus except to heal just a few sick people. Why? Well, for one, their lack of faith. But their lack of faith was reflected in their attitude. See... You have to be really careful about your heart toward men and women of God. That you, you know, you hear a little gossip about somebody. Every anointed man or woman of God on the planet, you can Google their name and there's somebody out there slandering them. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the attack against the anointed. But if you're listening to that type of garbage and you let it get down in your heart, you go maybe to their meeting and here you are worshiping during the worship time and you're sitting there listening to them. But something is set up in you to where you cannot really receive from them. Isn't that sad? I don't want to know all the gossip and garbage going on out there. If God's hands on them and God's using them, that's the main thing. But you have to be really careful to not allow yourself to get a wrong heart. That that's, I've seen people over the years that I would go through laying hands on people. And people would just, I mean, really being touched by God. And you lay hands on somebody else and they're not. And then you go to the next person, they're really being touched by God. And until they dealt with the stuff in their heart toward me that the devil had done, then they were not able to receive. But once they dealt with it, then it was like the power of God was hitting them strong. 
And I've seen other people that they'd be mightily touched by God, but then something would happen to where their heart would be wrong toward me and they couldn't receive anymore. You see what I'm saying? Be open to things that are different. This is what I close with. We all say we want the move of God. We do. I do. I know you do too. But you have to be ready for the unusual. Because usually what happens with revival is it's going to come in a way you don't expect. And there's going to be things involved in it that, that you're not really used to. It's like God's been moving a certain way, but then all of a sudden now there's something completely different, but it's awesome, but it's different. You have to be ready for the unusual. What if God wanted to do some things you've never seen before? Are you okay with that? Are you ready for that? What if it was things... I remember, for example, whenever God really touched my life through Rodney Hart Brown, which everybody knows Rodney's ministry, there's a lot of laughter and things, but I remember this. There's a few times in my life whenever I knew that I had to make a decision about something. And I remembered as the pastor, God respects authority, and if I would have had an attitude like, it's just not happening here. See, a lot of ministers out there do that, especially about the laughter. It's just not happening here. If I'd have had that attitude, it would have that anointing would have dried up, and it would not have happened in the ministry. But see, there's people out there that really hate the laughter, and I don't know why, but they do. It's a religious spirit. They, they don't like it at all. And I knew that if I was to allow that dimension of the Holy Spirit, that dimension of the anointing, that dimension of revival to come in, I knew that there were going to be people that would have liked me otherwise, but now they're not going to like me. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to be open to what God's going to do and let Him move the way He wants to move? Or am I going to try to stay with the normal of what it's been? Or am I going to be okay with something unusual to me? Does this make sense? And then it started breaking out in the ministry big time, and, and God has really used that dimension of the anointing. But you have to be ready for things that may be outside of your box. Now, I remember when I first, very first heard about things like um, the gold fillings that people were getting in their teeth in Argentina. I remember thinking, wow, you know. But some people had such an attitude. All that gold, I mean, I heard them. All that gold stuff, it's a bunch of weird, it's like, you know, listen, if somebody needs dental work and they go to revival and they and they get free gold, and you, you can't tell me that that stuff is going to mess up down the road. I mean, that's going to be, that's probably going to be there until Jesus comes. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's supernatural. And every time they brush their teeth or something, they see that God, and to tell me that's not God, you know? And, and the, some of the strange things that have happened, I remember with Steve Solomon out there in Riverwalk, remember he had the, the oil appearing places? Now, some people get all mad about that, the religious people. There's oil. Well, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool. I would, I would like to be in here worshiping and all of a sudden there's a big puddle of oil somewhere. Like, whoa, where would that come from? Yeah. But what is, what is God doing? What's the big deal? I remember one time I was in a meeting with a mighty man of God and he was, he was up there preaching and he was going to pray for everybody that night. And they, they were going to anoint everybody with oil and pray for everybody. And the way they normally did that was they would take anointing oil and dump it all over his hands and he'd go through and pray for everybody. Well, that night as he was preaching, all of a sudden he stops 
And he does like this, and there's oil all over his hands, straight from heaven. And so he preached the rest of the time like this, you know. And here in a minute, I'm going to pray for everybody, you know. But what if it's different? What if it's unusual? What if you're persecuted? Are we going to shrink back? I'm not. And I'm okay with whatever the Lord wants to do. As long as it's the Lord. Amen? And the last thing I'll say is don't, don't settle for a cheap counterfeit either. You know, you're hungry for God, but don't settle for a cheap counterfeit. Let me tell you a quick story about Pastor Kilpatrick before the revival. Some of you know this story. Some people don't. But Pastor Kilpatrick, before the Brownsville revival broke out, there was a group of people. Well, there was a man that came, and Pastor heard good reports, so he had him come preach, but he really didn't know the guy. And because he didn't know the guy, when he came in, he told him, he said, Now listen, after you preach, just give the mic back to me for the altar time. And again, under authority. So he told the guy, give the mic back to me after you preach. The guy had brought with him some people. And nobody, Pastor Kilpatrick, none of them have a problem with laughing in the spirit. I don't. Nothing like that. But he said that these people had just seemed kind of weird. That the way they were laughing wasn't, you know, it didn't, it, something in his spirit just didn't feel right. And the guy preached and he said the sermon was okay. But right after the sermon, he didn't hand the mic back like he's supposed to. He took off and said, if you want prayer, come down here now. Before Pastor Kilpatrick could get, even get out of his seat good, he already whacked someone in the head and knocked him down. And all of his people out there laughing with that weird laugh. And Pastor Kilpatrick got up and he, and he, felt, he felt grieved in the spirit. That this is a counterfeit. This, and they were crying out for revival. You understand? They were praying and fasting and really seeking God for like two and a half years for revival. And so they wanted this to be revival. They wanted this to be real. And when Pastor got up there, he said, you know what? He said, I feel the Holy Spirit is grieved and this service is over. And he had his ushers come in and clean the aisles. But you know, when those people got kicked out of church, you know what they did? They threw rocks and tried to break the glass out there to show what spirit they were of, you know. But it's a red flag right there whenever you can't come under authority and just give the mic back. Amen? But here's some mistakes that people have made in history discipleship not being in place the way it needed to like in the Welsh revival revival broke out in, in Wales and it was so awesome powerful and let me just say if you've never read the book The Power to Change the World by Rick Joyner you need to read it he deals with Welsh revival on the Susan Street but in the Welsh revival it broke out they weren't ready and a lot of people they got saved were not disciples and it can cause problems because people are falling away there's always a temptation you see through history for people to try to control or contain the move of God or make it a revival. I mean, make it a denomination, rather. So they try to control the move of God. You remember when Jesus walked the earth and he, there were some people who came to him and said, Jesus, there's somebody over here, you know, praying for people and casting out demons in your name or whatever they're doing. And Jesus said, well, you know, he didn't have a problem with it. See, when revival breaks out, it's like the fire spreads uncontrollably and there's going to be other places that catch the fire and it starts breaking out there and you don't want to try to control everything and be like, oh, well, if that's you need to come over here and we're going to control you. No, that's not God. But there's always a temptation to try to control or try to contain or make the revival a denomination, which is what killed Azusa Street when they began to try to make it a denomination instead of just letting it be what it was. Many revivals fall short because they, they neglect to honor those that have gone before them. But the Bible says to honor your fathers and mothers and you'll have longevity, right? 
And when you honor your fathers and mothers of the faith, the revival has longevity. It's blessed with long life. Because revivals spread uncontrollably like a forest fire, there's a temptation to try to control them. Don't fall into the ditches of lawlessness or legalism, but rather stay on the path of righteousness and life. So during, during the path, down the path of revival, there's a temptation with some people that will try to get real legalistic or they'll try to allow things to go on that shouldn't be. And you have to balance that out because you don't want to be legalistic and browbeat everybody and just be real hard, but at the same time, you don't want to let just anything go on. There's got to be a balance. And they've had difficulty with that in times past in revivals. Few men in history have been able to find the delicate balance between letting the Lord use them or trying to use the Lord. Think about that. Evan Roberts was driven by the conviction to only let the Lord have all the glory. That's what made Evan Roberts great. He was driven with the conviction that only God is going to get the glory and nobody else. And I mean, he really was, was strong about that. He would call people down everything. He was, he was like, no, no, the Lord's getting all the glory. He was very, very strong about that. And also, William Seymour, who oversaw the Azusa Street Revival, he was great in humility, but he was so interested in keeping the hands of man off the revival because of his incredible hunger to see, the, see God move. Both of these are needed. But William Seymour, his passion was to keep man's hands off of it. To the degree that even somebody that had been somewhat of a spiritual father to him came in and tried to control, and William Seymour locked him out. Padlocked him out of the revival. And he was like, I'm not having it. Nobody's coming in here controlling the move of God. I'm not putting up with it. He would not let anybody control the move of God. He kept everybody off of it. And because of that, the power of God moved in an awesome way. These are some warnings in revival, some things that I see. And I'm telling you that every move of God, some people just, for some reason, they just don't get this. They think that Christianity, you live in some kind of bubble where nothing can really happen. I mean, like this spiritual warfare stuff, oh... Get close to Jesus. Listen, if you're wanting to see a move of God, I'm just telling you, I mean, they take it however they want to take it, they get mad, whatever. But if you're wanting to see a move of God, a move of God, and you want to see souls saved, healings, deliverances, and the power of God, I'm telling you that you're going to face resistance from the enemy. And instead of going off, you know, like an ostrich and trying to hide your head in the sand and act like it's not going on and it's got to be something else um, you know the depression it's it's just that the barometric pressure is is a certain way or whatever and it's like they're trying to always explain away things instead of being like that why not arm yourself and run at the Goliath like David did and run right through the resistance into what Jesus has for you you know what I'm saying instead of sitting back like a weenie like the children of Israel did why not be like David and run at the Goliath and take his head off? But I, I've, I've seriously, people have argued with me sometimes about that. And I, I don't debate and argue. That's a religious spirit. But they've tried to argue, well, let's get close to Jesus. And it sounds so, you know, spiritual. It sounds so pious. But it's like you can be as close to Jesus as you want. I mean, you can be as close to Jesus as anybody. That does not exempt you from the fact that you live behind enemy lines 
And whenever you're winning souls, you are literally taking people from captivity that belong to the devil and seeing them brought into the kingdom of God. And you can't tell me that's not ticking off the devil. Every single one of them that's coming over, he's getting madder and madder and madder. And eventually you're going to face him. Y'all stand with me. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you want to do tonight. I thank you for your word. You know, it's the anointing that will sustain and keep you and protect you. I'm telling you. They were people that had a great anointing. You need to hear this. They had a great anointing for healing. And throughout their life, that same anointing that was in them and that mantle upon them, it actually kept them healthy. And whenever they died, their family, some of their descendants didn't know how to carry that anointing very well and because of that their family really struggled with some sickness because the enemy was resisting that family but they didn't know how to carry that anointing adequately that would protect and sustain them and I'm telling you for the different things that you're going to face down the road the different areas where the enemy is going to try to intimidate some of you, and you need to hear me, the enemy is going to try to intimidate some of you with the arrogant, smug look of a religious spirit on some people. He tries to come in. He may try to attack you with different temptations. He may try to attack you with different areas of deception. He may try to attack you with attacks against your health. He may try to attack your finances. He may try to attack relationships. I don't know. But I do know this, that God can put such an anointing in you and upon you that He will sustain you and carry you through it. And it's like the glory will wrap around you and those darts and arrows that try to come in will not really be able to penetrate. And God will enable you to go through it victoriously. But I believe that it will be the anointing that will sustain you through this time. I don't know what everybody's going to face. I don't know, but I do know this tonight. I feel right now just as strong of an anointing as I've ever felt in my entire life. And I believe tonight that some of you, God is wanting to put something in you for later on down the road that when you face something, the anointing that's within you is going to sustain you. And God is going, I'm speaking this by the Spirit of God, some of you, You've had some frustrating little areas where the enemy's been able just to pick and pick and pick at you. In fact, some of you, it's in the area of your health where you've been like, what in the world? You know, but it's like the anointing is about to come in you and there's going to be something that rises up within you. The power of God is going to sustain your health. He's going to sustain your health. Where the resistance has been great in the past and you've thought to yourself my goodness what is the deal but it's because the resistance has been such a squeeze on you it's been such an oppression that now the anointing is going to become so strong that it's going to break that off and it's going to sustain your body it's going to sustain you physically and as some of you 
I'm telling you that there's areas where the enemy has picked at you and has, ca- has caused, I, I can see some of you right now, there's more than one, but he, the enemy's caused you to try to be intimidated. You know, you, you haven't thought much of yourself, and, and it, but the, it's like the enemy's picked at you. But I'm going to tell you, the anointing is about to go right into that area and strengthen you, and you're going to come up out of that. I'm telling you. And others of you, the other battles you're going to face, the anointing is going to strengthen you. Going to strengthen you. Going to strengthen your heart that you're not going to be faint. Some of you have had a tendency in the past that whenever things got difficult in life, you really struggled with just wanting to give up. But the Lord says, I'm going to strengthen your heart to where you're not going to grow faint like you used to. But you're going to have a firm heart. And whenever difficulties come, you're not going to feel like giving up anymore. You're going to look at it like, hey, this is an opportunity for God to move. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a testimony through this. And some of you have had areas where you've been resisted in your prayer life. And you've thought, what is the deal? I've been, I've been trying to go after God and really be intimate and close with the Lord. But there's something that has resisted you. And it's been like a heaviness. But the Lord is about to put an anointing on you. And I can see you dancing. And I can see the garment of praise come on you. And I can see you arising out of that. But it's the anointing. It's not by human might or effort. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the anointing that breaks yokes. It's the anointing that brings strength. I want you guys, if you would, just worship with me for a moment in the spirit. I don't say this lightly. Keep worshiping. I don't say this lightly and I usually don't share everything that I see. But I see just hovering in the atmosphere right now. I literally see like tongues of fire and I see like garments that the Lord is about to put on people. And Lord, release it tonight. Whatever you're wanting to do in every life. Lord, I speak right now that it will be released. A fresh anointing to start coming. In every area where there's been a weakness is going to become a strength. I speak that. And I thank you, Lord, for it right now in Jesus' name. Let's shut down recordings. I want to pray with people.